0: Welcome to episode 311 of the Barcelona Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton and he's Emil Evanesian. How's it going today, Emil?
1: I'm good, Dan, how are you?
0: I, you know, I'm okay. It's an up and down week. Yeah. We, we obviously are going to talk about Osasuna Barcelona 2-2. Mm-hmm. We are recording this today. It'll come out tomorrow on Monday, if that's when you're listening to it, or maybe even Tuesday, mm-hmm. when Barcelona have a friendly in Saudi Arabia, which we'll probably get to very little at the very mm-hmm. end. But unfortunately, yeah. we have to start with what is a very, very serious story. I didn't want to bypass this. It happened midweek. But for all the messy debacle, Bartomeu's financial misgivings, mm-hmm. Roma, Liverpool, Bayern times three, whatever you want to say, whatever sad thing or melancholy thing from the last few seasons. I think the allegations against a longtime La Masia, a director, even for almost 20 years, and Albert Benajes, really upsetting about the accusations, including 60 reports of sexual abuse. Again, these are allegations. These are accusations. At this point, there's going to be an investigation going on. But even now, I mean, he just left the club last week because he was brought back in the fold, you know, having left, well, having left last year, then returned under Laporta. And then the second that the club, I think, caught wind of any of these things, he was ousted. Many of these incidents happening, those coming forward in the 80s and 90s. uh, As I said, there isn't much to say. An investigation will be done. But based on Xavi's words, based on Laporta's words, it sounds like the club is in no way going to Uh, innocent until proven guilty it sounds like even that they are completely cutting ties as soon as possible with the understanding that 60 is a lot of reports of sexual abuse and we kind of know where this is going so yeah yeah, between the 71 year olds recent exit and the sheer number of accounts this is definitely a dark stain on i think what makes me saddest about it is that this is a a dark stain because it's involved with children i mean and again it's i'm not reinventing the wheel here here with any of these comments uh it's going to be a sad thing for the club, too, moving forward, because it is a dark stain on La Masia. And, you know, it always feels like La Masia and the children are always like the hope, right? They're the untouchable bastions mm-hmm. of hope for culés. They're the future. And I really hope that the club does everything in its power to make it as right as possible, knowing full well that no action can ever make up for this kind of wrong. Let- let's begin it there. And then I'll again reiterate, these are allegations. But, you know, this kind of story just sickens me. Like I can live with and enjoy Matches in Europa League, as long as Barca plays
1: well. I mean, I could yeah, talk yeah. myself
0: into that, but there's no talking point of any nuance or anything here. Uh, this is just,
1: it's pretty rough. I mean, the accusations and the allegations, are, I mean, it's just like the whole thing is just so like gross and grotesque. And, you know, I mean, there's no, you know, of course there should be, you know, anger and outrage and, you know, everything, but I mean, no amount of anger or outrage or anything is going to make any of the victims, you know, whole again, or, you know, nothing's ever going to undo what is by, by all accounts been, been done. And, and I mean, I mean, you kind of said it's, it's not like an errant allegation. I mean, when there's, when you, when there's 60, I mean, that's just a, a lot of smoke. So you would assume that there was some fire somewhere there. Like you, you said it yourself. There's, there's not really anything to say. I mean, there's You know, I mean, we can kind of stumble all over each other to try to, you know, be more outraged than everyone else. But I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. the whole thing is like this, this sucks, you know, I mean, and it's not... I mean, other thing you cannot, I can do on a podcast. I mean, the, the people in the levers of power to
0: make sure are prevented to yeah. mimic, and things like this don't happen again. Uh, yeah, and that's that the biggest much, thing is as much justice is found. I mean, it's, it, it's both Chavi and reporter said justice, and that's what it is. Said as much justice as you could do. You can't undo the past, but as much justice can be had. And again, the club is going to both try to distance itself, but it should also, you know, the club should hold itself accountable. And I. Hopefully What's that too? I mean, yeah. look. I
1: mean, this this happened, and look. I mean, there's also no point of like you and I just sitting here and kind of conjecturing and you know figuring out. Like, but but the thing is, like, if this stuff was happening, and if it was happening for you know a decade plus or whatever it was, I mean, yeah, there needs to be accountability, and the the club needs to take every conceivable step, precaution, everything to. I mean, never mind trying to. Atone for any of the stuff that's happened, but I mean, at least like damn well make sure that it never happens again. I mean, this just you know this at the very least. I mean, we we should all be able to to commit wholeheartedly to this, you know, and just yeah, yeah. Right, I mean, right? it's a, a it's awful, and I mean, it's just yeah and what's what's awful is like there's just you see these so many you know you see these stories all over sports, and it's just we like to think that you know some of these things when they come to light are hopefully you know, if not deterrence or anything, but kind of shed light on the other ones. But I mean, there's stuff like this pops up all the time and it's always yep. just so depressing and disheartening, you know? Yeah. And every time you think it's not me or it's not us or it's not a club I support, yeah, it you know,
0: winds up being that case. So yeah, it's, it's for, and there's no transition, no easy transition for something no. like that. But I, I felt like we had this kind of start to show with that because it, you know, it could have come and gone in the news cycle. But yeah. it's something that affects La Masia in a big, big way, mm. potentially even moving forward. So I want—I don't want anybody to get blindsided about that. So I just wanted to put that mm. information out there. Again, Xavi has comments. Laporta has comments. So the, mm. the club is not trying to brush this under the rug. They're also acknowledging it. So look at their comments as well, too. So anyway yeah, it's not much more positive to talk about Osasuna Barcelona 2-2, I think, but I think there at least unlike that story. Here's a transition that there is some nuance here. mm -hmm. I think as much as there's some bad to talk about with Osasuna Barcelona, there's also some good. Yeah, I actually have some positive things to say. And then I actually have some, obviously, I think there are some negative things to go with as well. So where would you want to start with this? I feel like the right thing to do is start at the end, if you will, and work our way backwards because of the 2-2 result. but. Do you
1: think there's another place to begin this this match to be with, an individual performance, or? Well, I mean, I think it was uh, not so much individual, but I think the the collective. You know, just in watching the first the first half, you know the the early goal was great. Now, I mean, obviously it was very quickly equalized, but you know, I mean that. But I didn't get the sense in you know I missed maybe the first seven or eight minutes of the match, but um, once I sat down and I was watching, kind of my my impression from the first half was the the two sides felt. I don't know, almost unnervingly equal. I mean, Barca were, you know, to my eyes, just decidedly not the better, more talented team. Now they weren't markedly worse either, but you, you do hope in these, in in these situations that, that they show themselves to be just the, the better collective and just, honestly the better collect better collection of individual talents. I thought there was a lot more of that in the second half where I was a little bit annoyed with the second half was, you know, I would say probably up until the last, what would it be? Almost until us as soon as scored the the second goal, Barca looked like the better team and they were able to move the ball forward in a way that they weren't in the first half. The only place where I was a little bit frustrated was it didn't feel like they had really a, a sting to them. It, you know, there were, it, a lot of those moves didn't ultimately feel very dangerous once it got into the final third, but at the very least, they were maintaining possession better and moving the ball better and, uh, honestly, not losing possession cheaply like they did in the first half.
0: What I think your one thing leads with? to another thing, leads to another thing, leads to another thing. I, I think their youngsters should be praised in this match for a lot of different sure. reasons. I, I think that winds up being the the through line for me, like positively. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I I think it can be a bit frustrating looking at the game plan and saying Osasuna came in kind of assuming that certain players couldn't do certain things for Barcelona and they were proven right. Meanwhile, for Barcelona, which players did Barca wind up exploiting? It actually wound up being more about, you know, and this is also us taking a myopic view of looking at Barcelona games through the lens of as as a Kool Aid. But, Mm -hmm. you know, what I mean by that is to say that Osasuna was setting up in a medium block. And they also were putting press a uh, press on at times in a four three three press, you know, pressing high. And the person they were either allowing to drive forward or or attempting to press, depending on the activation, mm. was Araujo. And mm. I actually do have my first negative thing to say I did this on the match review too. I'll, a lot of these pe- some of these points are repeated, but uh, the first negative thing I have to say about Araujo this season was that Osasuna they basically bargained that he wasn't going to be able to break lines and mm. and, and pass Barca out of pressure, and he didn't do that. And yep. I think for Araujo, you could see that defensively, I have ever I have no qualms ever. That's why he's the first name on the defensive team sheet, at least. Maybe even the first, at this point, the way that the team looks, maybe he's the first name on the team sheet in total yeah, very well at be. this point. Yep. So I think for Araujo, yeah, I have no issues about his defending at all. I thought the switching that he and PK were actually doing was really, really smart. And they're mm-hmm. spacing defensively on the counterattack. I think in the first half actually was, was pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. Osasuna weren't able to break through uh, PK with the interceptions. He led with ball recoveries today. I thought those two in tandem worked really, really well together. And I-, I don't think we need to spend too much time, even though mm-hmm. he left his man on the first goal. And then he had the deflection on the second goal. So, I mean, Mtiti unfortunately is greatly involved in the result, but to me, he yeah. looked like a player that was not match fit. Uh, you can see the passing is there, but yes, physically he just still doesn't have it. He's a, bit, a step slow to it. I don't want to make excuse for a guy, but if you don't start in 227 days, can you expect a player to be able to get up to that level? Intense, like intense wise, oh, exactly. intensity wise. That said, I can't, I can't say that his teammates also helped him get up or pick up his intensity mm-hmm. because they themselves did not look very intense. But yeah, so for Arajo, game plan wise, Osasuna was trying to force him to break them down with passing, and he didn't do that. And the other part of that was. When they played with the fourth, well, they started with five at the back, switching to the fourth at the back because, well, after the goal was scored by Barcelona because they were, they, there was space with that five at the back that they were leaving mm-hmm. it behind. Then they switched to that fourth at the back saying, hey, we don't need an extra third center back to worry yeah. about Luke de Jong. Like, we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> and nor do we have to worry about Frankie de Jong. Frankie and Luke, as far as players on the field, touching the ball in the first half, they were bottom mm-hmm. two of everyone. All 22 players, those two touched the ball the least in the first half. There, I finally got there. So yes, Frankie right, and Luis, yes. which is really telling that Osasuna knew exactly where Barcelona would not beat them. And that is at the top of their attack. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade? I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano, or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season, you hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention, those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is a global force behind all Birds, Rothies and Linen and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com tbpod.
2: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com/slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
1: Particularly in the first half like I had a difficult time trying to figure out what the attacking impetus was meant to be for, for Barcelona. I mean, like you said, you know, we I mean Frankie De Young obviously has the just the the intelligence and the talent and and everything to to do that, but very much wasn't in that form today. You know that didn't come off today, and it was difficult to try to figure out what the what the attacking impetus actually was. Well, let me ask it, you. It what do you quite, think the, let me ask you. What do you think the instructions were for Frankie D Young today? It's hard to just sort of instruct someone to get involved in a way where you know to to run a foul. You know, kind of just run a field of your of your assignment, but he didn't seem to be given a, a mandate to be aggressive and to really kind of put his head down and, and attack. I, I don't exactly know what the pregame, you know, pre-match instructions would have been for him. But I mean, the only time I actually really recall seeing, you know, meaningfully seeing him, I think there was just maybe like one passage towards the end of the first half where he was involved a little bit, but otherwise he was, I mean, for me, he was just largely anonymous. And I, that really kind of blows my mind for, someone who's so good and just, I mean, just literally so centrally located on the pitch in, you know, in the formation, even if he's not playing well, I feel like his involvement should be greater than what it was today. I mean, no doubt. I mean, it, even in his stats, I mean, his stats, just
0: they show you a player that did not touch the ball that was not involved. Mm -hmm. And even defensively, because he's playing so high, he wasn't having the same impact he does defensively. Mm -hmm. I just think his instincts that high up the field just aren't where they need to be. But also again, he's being asked to, He's being asked to play in that role because he's such a good player that I mean, this is now the third manager that has said, hey, I don't care where you're most comfortable play where we're going to be able to use you while we try to meet some of the other pieces around. And so his like his run into the box was important because his spacing created that that run in from behind by Nico Gonzalez for the first goal. And and listen, if Nico can start making that run consistently, that's what we've been saying that that's going to open up so much for Barcelona and take so much pressure off Frankie. Yeah, Cause you can just tell that he's playing under so much weight and so much pressure. And I know some players read stuff and other players don't, I don't know about Frankie the Young, but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there was a lot of calling and not just us or Kool-Aid or whatever. I mean, there were those out in the, you know, the huge global media world that were saying, Hey, Frankie de Young, he's not one of the untouchables for Barcelona, right? So after Bayern Munich, yeah. everyone gets reactionary, and they make a list of the players that are allowed to stay at the club, and then the others who are gone, not caring about contract or 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 sale, or yeah, actual feasibility, or, yeah, or yeah. any right, mm-hmm. any logic to it. But I mean, if you're Frankie de Young, if you had gone on Twitter at all for three days after Bayern Munich, you would have seen that like the club has already put a seventy million to fifty million price tag on you, and you're gone, and you're going to pay for a striker. I mean, because. I mean, yeah. of what players that are worth anything, right? Ter Stegen and Frankie Young are the two that are, are really having the ire put on because, again, the rest are just veterans that aren't worth much. Or, and then others are probably yeah. going to have to just – they aren't such high wages, you have to wait for them to leave for free. But, again, that we'll talk yeah. about that in like a week or two. But back to the Frankie point, you know, this is a positive. You know, Roses and Thorns, as I used to say in high school, mm-hmm. like was our one of our high school segments in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, so Roses, the Gobby, Thorns to Young, because for what Young didn't do in the game, Gabi, I mean, he was great. I mean, other than... I know we're going to get to Abde at some point here because, I mean, that'll probably happen next. So other than yeah. Abde, who was the actual man of the match, I mean, Gabi, to me, was Barcelona's most influential uh, influential player. I mean, he was just good. I mean, he What was most impressed about what Gab, Gabi did. Other than I think people are saying that Barca is at a point, especially against Bayern, when Thomas Müller's quotes also went viral, Barcelona mm-hmm. literally just need desire. They need fight. They need someone yeah. to want to win the game. And mm-hmm. Gabi is showing his personality that of all the Barcelona players, there is no doubt that that 17-year-old kid wants to win or wants to get a result, or at least showing that he wants to get a result. Even if it's not on the inside, he's showing you on the outside how much he wants to get a result today. And so, like, the yellow card he, I mean, got, he doesn't look. He yeah. doesn't
1: look outwardly frustrated. Where I, I think there, well, he there does. Is I mean, little... he looks like
0: a seventeen-year-old kid, mad that he can't win a game, and right, exactly. you almost want more of that instead of like boo, boo-hoo, we lost the game. You want, yeah. hey, this game is still so possible. I'm mad that we're losing, or I'm yeah, mad that exactly. we're conceded.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like the whatever kind of if we want to say like his his ire or his frustration is kind of in a more proactive, aggressive way. Where yeah, he wants to be a difference maker. He's frustrated with what is happening and wants to set it right. Whereas it's not any one individual that necessarily sticks out, but you see whenever, either when there's a a close call or when Barca concede and, you know, invariably the, the camera will pan to various players in the aftermath of, of the goal. And you see not just upset, but sometimes like you see a little bit of kind of crestfallen and it's a certain level of almost existential frustration it's not it's not frustrated with the situation it's just frustration is becoming almost like a state of being for for some of these guys and you know we talk about some of the young guys and i think the in addition to their talent their you know their their youth and their technical skill and everything else i think what the young guys bring a lot of is they're not conditioned I, i don't even want to say conditioned, but their experiences haven't conditioned them to feel that certain frustration. Like you know, we've we've talked about this with with Barca for, I mean, I think we've talked about it probably a few times now when there's been frustrating, frustrating results or you know, particularly kind of you know just um, gut punch results, kind of the the way it happened uh, against Osasuna. Particularly with some of the in the old guard, or just like the the not young guys, the the non teenagers, there is a little bit of a oh no, here we go again sense whenever things start going wrong, that seems to feed on itself and then perpetuates either a lack of activity and a lack of aggression because you're either trying to be overly cautious to prevent making a mistake and in trying to avoid making mistakes. You avoid even trying to do anything proactive and positive, or it's just a sense that you almost, when things go wrong, you're expecting them to snowball. And it's almost, you, you know, these guys in some cases, I I feel like they almost manifest that. You know what I mean? Like they just, they feel like they, they get, you know, they get punched in the stomach and then they're like, Oh no! There's probably another. There's probably another shot to the head coming, and invariably well, it I comes. Mean, and
0: I think that is like the useful exuberance. That you're right. It's I mean PK's comments post game, like not he didn't really blame the youngsters, but he said, "Hey, we've got all these young players." Almost as it's out. But I, I think what he means is that there might be frustration for him in the locker room because, yeah, Gabi, you know, he's 17 years old. He's only played in, I mean, a hundred games in his whole life, or something. We you know what I mean, or three, five hundred yeah. games in his whole life. That this game that's happening in that moment, right in front of his face, is his entire world. And for PK, who every time something goes wrong, is an accumulation of all the experiences, all the good moments, yeah. all the bad moments. And it's all happening, you know, in that moment. Now, players who can block that out, sure. But you're right. I think the floodgates have opened and they have for a long time. That that mm. Barcelona's older guard. They feel the accumulation of all that frustration all at the same time. That's why they're, they're always speaking about the older experienced players are always speaking about post game is a collection of results, a collection of whether the team is on an up or down. And I find that it's telling because when the younger players speak about a game, they speak about that game in that game, in that moment. And I think again, it's yes, that inexperience is how you finish top. I mean, it's how you don't finish top four because that inexperience means you don't know how to pace yourself. You don't understand like Mm. the, the, the seasons of marathon, but right now Barcelona desperately need players to be focused right now in the here and now on that moment in that game. But even tactically, I want to go all the way back to Gabi and Mm. the worrying thing, I guess for not even Barcelona, but for Frankie Young, it's actually a good thing, I guess for Kool aids that Mm -hmm. the way that Gabi is that left interior today defended on the left interior in support of Umtiti, who is not prepared to start that match, as well mm-hmm. as Abde, who is not necessarily a great defender, if you will, or at least he's raw on experience. And Gabi somehow solidified that left side in that first half in particular, and, uh, you know, defending horizontally, sideline to sideline. And then offensively, when Barcelona would get the ball, he basically set up in the same way that Pedri actually does as a, almost a double pivot with Busquets, because De Jong yeah. was farther up the field. And so he, he winds up bringing the ball up very vertically, which is how he also got the assist because he was looking more in this game for those vertical balls. And you could see how much better he is moving from that left wing back to that mm-hmm. left interior spot. And with what he did today in that game, that is exactly what kool is want Frankie De Young to be. That's exactly what it is. And so the yeah. new question I bring up is that can Pedri and Gabi coexist? I mean, I guess they can. If Pedri is playing as that high interior, if, if Xavi's is going to play a three, four, three, and there's two mm-hmm. high interiors and two pivots, then Gabi could stay in as a pivot, and Nico could be the other high right interior if he can figure yep. out how to get into the other opposing box sometimes. And then Pedri's on the other side. And then you have a real question about Frankie the Young in that rotation. And that's again a good problem to have. And I think Xavi is still very much tinkering, but you could clearly yep. tell that in today's experiment, at least, you know, I don't want to I don't want to put the, the horse before, I mean the cart before the horse, but in today's game, Xavi was the beneficiary of today's experiment. And I think today's experiment though. Was a lot about the fact that Frankie De Young was asked to play at the ten because Luke mm-hmm. De Young is the sixth or seventh on the depth chart because you and I, I Emil, mean, support. You know, I called it on the the match review injury FC. That's what this club yeah. is like. I know that this team should have got the win today two one, but also yeah. this team is in no way the team. And I mean, Frankie De Young is being misplayed because of Luke De Young.
1: Yeah, no, it's true because there's. Yeah, we talk we talk about the need for goals all the time. Like I feel like you know whenever we you know talk in the aftermath of a match or whenever we're just doing a, a broad state of the state of the club on the pitch thing, and I'm I'm looking at the I'm looking at the lineup and the the formation that played today, and yeah, I mean you have to find goals somewhere, and if Luke DeYoung, who like you said, is not the first choice, not the second choice, not the third choice, you know? I mean, just we can put them wherever we want on the pecking order. It's, it's going, keep going.
0: Now I'm I'm thinking about Aguero and Brathwaite. Keep going.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I I would rather have (laughs) Brathwaite. Yeah. And so, I mean, in that sense, you almost have to hide your striker, which is, you know, a really unenviable place to find yourself. So yeah, you end up having to to play guys out of out of position and try sort of deviate from maybe the tactical plan that you would like to be running if you had a striker that you could that you could trust and actually you know pose the legitimate threat up front. And so I, I think you're right. I mean, in the sense, Luke Young is in there. He's the nominal striker, but no one he's not attracting attention. he's not he's not attracting attention from multiple players, definitely. I mean, maybe he's getting one person's attention. but you know, and otherwise, you have to throw more resources at, at the very least, posing a threat to the opposing defense. And those resources have to come from, like you said, the sort of the the, the middle of midfield and sort of further back in midfield. And yeah, like you said, I think it today it came at the expense of Frankie Young.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and then late on in that game, the Luke Young question kind of comes up that, I mean, I if I was manager, again, Xavi knows a lot more than me. He's still experimenting. He's still tinkering. Mm-hmm. I think defending, he was hoping that Luke Young's big body was important because I think, as, as I don't want to overthink it, You know, Barcelona were susceptible mm-hmm. on set pieces, so having a big body like Luke Young in their late-game yeah. situations, yeah. I understand the thinking, but I mean, I definitely would have shifted Dembele, who had yeah. an awful game, um, his worst game of the year, by far, easily. Dembele was not good in this game. I would have shifted Dembele to the middle and brought on Demir or Ferran Jukla. If you're going to bring him in and bring him in even 10 minutes earlier, let yeah. him play it out just to keep that width, you know, and then just put Dembele up to the middle. Because when Coutinho came on the field, this is a big issue. Mingatha mm-hmm. replaces Nico to help with the buildup, mm-hmm. which it did. Actually, I think the minute Nico, yeah. I mean, uh, Mingatha came on, they had their best buildup, if you will. It winds up leaving to Busquets and then Busquets winds up starting what really was a counterattack. And so Mingatha yeah. did offensively, at least with that build that helped them get out of pressure, but the combination of boom T team and Gaith on the left side also unbalanced that defense. So when they were under pressure, Barca had no way to clear and clearances are such a major issue. I mean, we had, we don't even Mm -hmm. say that or talk about that, but this team never properly clears anymore and that'd have to do with building out of the back. And they haven't now done that for two or three years. And, you know, MacArthur wasn't the answer to that. And I think one of the other big reasons for that too, is you want to talk about hold up play and speed on the wings and getting mm. yourself out of trouble. I mean, Coutinho came on the field and no offense to Coutinho, but he was the main release valve up top when Luke DeYoung came into the box to help defend. And Coutinho has, I mean, for all that Coutinho can do holding the ball up, is not what Coutinho does Mm-mm. or can do, especially in the middle of the field. So basically Barca's only release valve, truly when they bypass and didn't look for Coutinho after he gave it away twice, was to look up the wings. And if you think yep. your only clearance option is to get that small piece of space for Dembele or when Abde switched, uh, or when Fer- Jaren, uh, Ferran Zucla came in, that yep. if your only clearance option is to try to thread the needle between the defender and the far touchline to get it to your winger, and that's your one shot. I mean... You can see that it just, it didn't work out. And so Coutinho and Mangatha those substitutes and leaving Luke on in the way they did with that formation. Yeah. I mean, again, Xavi's experimenting, Shabby's tinkering. I have to take my own advice and say, be patient. And I know people were getting on me because mm-hmm. on the earlier show this week, uh, earlier in the week, LeVon had said that, or sorry, in the second show this week, LeVon had said that, you know, he just doesn't see the team any, any getting any better. I mean, I don't think the team is getting any healthier. If anything, now this yeah. game, there's no Jordi Alba and no Memphis. So they're actually getting Less healthy every match that goes by. You're going farther and yeah, farther down the depth chart. And so we're getting to a point when I look at Mingetha, Umtiti, and I, it's sad that I had to put Mingetha in here, but uh, at the moment, the form he's in, Mingetha, Umtiti, Luke, De Jong, Coutinho. And I say, I mean, they're all gone over the summer. Maybe Mingetha yeah. stays because of his contract. But as far as being regular members of rotation and being players that Shavi's going to trust to close out a game, like why am I not going to break my brain for players that won't be around in six months? You know what I mean? Like, it's just oh, like, exactly. this late game thing is happening, but how much of that do you put on the players and the personnel he has to work with and how much of it do you have that, you know, not only does Xavi make the decision, it should be accountable for the decision, but to win a game at the end like that, you need again, to have that fight. And it seems like no matter who the manager yeah. is, Barca also lose that fight. So are we saying it's personnel, or are we saying it's just a lack of fight based on the manager? Or is it even, you know, I, I,
1: I don't. I don't think it's on the man. I mean, at, at this point, I mean, you, you know, I feel like the sample size is sample size is small, and at the very least, sort of in the in the meat of the games, even though Barca haven't looked, you know, they haven't looked brilliant. They're not. They haven't been free scoring or you know some sort of like you know imperious genius team, but they've looked better. And there's even when they're not playing particularly well, there there's been a greater resemblance to. Barca teams past, and you can see you can get kind of faint whiffs of what the, what the intention is and what the, what the vision is and the plan. But I think you just said it there. There's so, look, I mean, this, even at full strength, I mean, this isn't a, you know, a Barca team of recent vintages where there is, where it's packed with literally some of the, you know, a handful of the absolute best players in the world, but even putting that aside. So if you take one of those rosters and then hamstring it with What six, seven, eight injuries to the point where, like you said, it's you know, you're kind of scrambling to put together a defense and you're, you know, having Luke DeYoung lead the line, you know, and just, you know, you're having him up front.
0: Well, let me let me set you up for this. It can only go
1: so far, I think.
0: Yeah. Let me set you up for this question. If Barcelona, the entire roster, I mean, I'm even throwing in Callado, Danny Alves, if everybody Mm. on this, if everyone who could be a first team player at FC Barcelona is all healthy. What is your 11? What is the, the absolute healthiest 11? And I'm setting, I'm setting you up for this, obviously, with the injury thing.
1: Yeah. Okay. So in the absence of all injuries, everyone's available. So, I mean, I guess it would be, you know, up front, I guess, Ansu Fati. I mean, I've enjoyed Memphis, but maybe Ansu Fati, Dembele, and I mean, I'd be tempted to go Memphis. And then, so that's that three. And then I, mean, I guess I would go Pedri, Pedri, DeYoung, and ooh, um, God, it's tough. Or maybe Pedri Gabi Nico. That's where it's tough. The the midfield is, is particularly difficult because it, you know at the back, I think I would I would like to have Araujo, I guess Araujo, Danny Alves. God, it's tough. Uh, P. P. Really... Alba, saying, I'll I'll finish it for you. But I mean, I had yeah.
0: Stegen and then I had Alba PK Araujo, Alves, Busquets, De Young, Gabi, Pedri, or you know, de young, Nico, Gabi. One common, you know, two. With yeah, it, yeah, a uh, three of those. Yeah. Definitely Busquets and Pedri. And then Ansu Memphis Dembele up top, right? That's what I had. Yeah. And that's five of your 11 starters are missing through injury right now. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, and then one of them is your number 10 and probably the, the club's most prolific player mm. as far as attacking. And that is Anzu Fati. Yeah. You're missing the golden boy. You're missing one of the most influential teenagers in world. I mean, actually voted the most influential teenager in world football in Penn. Yeah. Yeah. And then... You're also missing again, Danny Alves, and this says more about Destin and Gaetha, unfortunately. And Roberto is also out, long-term injured. Mm. But like to say that Danny Alves might walk in right, walk in to a four-three-three starting right back spot is very telling of where Destin and Gaetha are at the moment in their stock. And then sure. Alba, I mean, completely irreplaceable, continues to be completely irreplaceable on that left side. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, and then even Ter Stegen and De Jong were already raising question marks as well about their form and where they're at in Memphis before he got hurt the same way. So, I mean, you're missing onto, you're missing Memphis, you're missing Pedri, you're missing uh, potentially Alves, you're missing Alba. It's just like, so at some point, again, we're not making excuses, but we're saying that the players that wound up losing this game or not even losing this game, but you know, the, 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 the options, the options to save a game, the options to hold one to a win are just, are not what they're going to be in six months. And so it's tough because I mean, I think we're, we get in this cycle that we're like, okay, what's new, what's different, what is changing? The manager has changed. How are good results going to come? And one of the only things that I hold my hat on, I want to end the show kind of with talking about the positive and that the man of the match was Abde. And we haven't really spoken yeah. about him that in uh, in the Easy Abde. And so far this season, yes, Gabi is a revelation. Yep. Nico is a revelation. So honestly, between Gabi and Nico so far, Barcelona have entered into their first team two long-term starters, two yes. long-term players. And that's a good thing. That's a good sign. It does show you that building this process is actually working. And Abde after a day like today, when Barca were as a unit, they were good at times, they were bad at times. You know, I think Baldé. People keep yelling for Baldé on the left, but I think he's going to do a lot of what Conrad De la Fuente did last year, and he'll be mm-hmm. uh, he'll head back to Barca B for the spring once Danny Alves gets registered. Because mm-hmm. again, Des can play on the left if if necessary. It's a shame that Demir can't join him for you know obvious reasons, but you know I, I think Baldé is. There's things in his game that Xavi still wants him to work out and figure out, but. For Abde coming out of complete, I mean, nowhere, honestly, nowhere. Yeah. I mean, when I watched him with Barça B, I knew he could really dribble. And the things he can't do because he's so raw, I mean, it's it's tantalizing and exciting because he's going to be 20 on Thursday. And yep. if he lets the ball run to his left foot, he could have scored a hat trick in this game. If he lets that ball run across his body, because so many times mm-hmm. he orients his body. And I talked about this uh, against, was against Real Betis last week that he orients his body to always be receiving and pushing forward with his right foot. He's so right foot dependent at this point Mm. that if it's not coming, I mean, he is on the left and he likes to cut in, but he he's so fast that he can wait till he gets almost to the goal line to cut in. So he's because of his speed, he's able to, whether he's on the left or right to cause a bit of havoc. So he does trust himself to dribble in that Mm. way. And he just, I mean, he's such a great dribbler. Yes. But if he had any ability with his left foot to take a shot or confidence to put himself on, put all his weight on that left side, Mm-hmm. I mean, he, again, he would have had a hat trick. Like, and those are things though, like your weak foot. Those are things that he's going to work on that are going to be figured out. I mean, I want to remind everybody. He had two first team goals with Hercules last year when he came up as an 18 year old, he had one goal with Barca B this year. And that was his fourth professional goal that he scored today against <laughs> Osasuna. And it could have been the game winner. So, I mean, yeah. Abde. I keep hyping up the kids. You know how I get about Gabi and about Fedri. And yeah. You know, I do this every time, Emil, but I'm going to get on the update train and it's leaving the station and I'm telling everybody that I didn't know about him and that's totally fine, but they found another one and I'm I, yeah. I'm excited about update, especially if we can improve. Look,
1: I, I think it, it comes down to, yeah, I mean, it's, it's development and, and health, you know, I mean, the, the, the health will feed the experience and, you know, that's where kind of the, the, big blossoming happens. And, you know, we, we talk about a bunch of these young guys. So if, if we, you know, for starting to add update to that list. And you see, no, I know Pedri isn't a an academy product, but, you know, the 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 kids, essentially, yeah. the, the bones of the next good Barca team. I mean, it's really impressive what they've got yeah. just on the first team, like, actually gaining experience. So it's not guys who are in waiting or people that we're kind of holding our breath for or guys who are getting, you know, 15 minutes here and there. Like, it's like you said, there's... These are guys that are here and they are contributing and the the competition level, neither the competition level nor the, the pressure of having to effectively be Barca in this, you know, really, you know, most difficult of moments doesn't, doesn't seem to be getting to them. They're, they're poised, they're ultra talented. And, you know, I mean, between Nico, Gabi, Pedri, Ansu, Abde, you know I mean? And, That is a foundation that all but, you know, a handful of clubs in world football would absolutely kill for.
0: Almost basically, it's talking Ajax at this point, but... Essentially, I mean, that's... I mean, they actually play an older experienced squad too, but in in the case of Abde, it's weird, because I heard you list all those names, and then you added Abde's name, and it's this weird thing where it's a knee-jerk thing. I don't want to add him to that list too quickly. Yeah, he's not
1: out of that level at this point. not,
0: but also with him just turning 20 on Thursday... And with him being so raw and just getting into the first team, the, I mean, I, I think I, I wanted to end it on a positive, but I think Aubame's performance, and it, I think it made him look even better because you're comparing that to what we saw from Dembele today, and again, yeah. in Dembele's worst match this season, and with renewal talks going on and transfer talk and all that mm-hmm. stuff, and his contract being up in June, I mean, this game from Dembele was, I mean, I, I defend his football brain. People say that he always makes the wrong decisions, mm-hmm. and today. <laughs> I don't think it was his brain. I just think he just was sloppy. He just wasn't there. I mean, he just... It, I, mean, I think he, it was he that, had the like, same performance that Dest had, but Dest did it against Alfonso Davies and got himself benched. Yeah. And Dembele did it, did it against Juan Cruz, right? Yeah, like, right. Google I it, I mean, right? Doing. Like, yeah. what did yeah. that happen against? And so his one good action resulted in a goal. And I think Dembele will always be, at the age of 24, that frustration, because if he had three moments of greatness today, yeah. it's 3-2. Or
1: it's 4-2, yeah. rather. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. I mean, yeah, he, I think there was a, yeah, there was one other move where he sort of came close to, to creating a golden opportunity, but that was effectively, that was effectively it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't, we talk about being reactionary to to various aspects of these games and, and I don't want to be reactionary, you know, I don't want to overweight this game because it's the most recent data point and, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, he was at better. The same time, Dembele
0: was better against Bayern than he was against Osasuna. So, I mean, again, that's yeah, that which is of, wild. Yeah, tells I mean, yeah. you that also. Like, don't don't take any individual Dembele performance and and take it t- take it to the house. He hadn't played in four years, so I mean, he's going to have stinkers. Hopefully, he has good ones, but he's got to renew, or else we're going to have to look at these individual matches as dictating wire weight, or why or why not he should renew.
1: Well, yeah, because I mean, until something happens, until it's either announced that he's gone in the summer for free or he's renewing and he's sticking around i do think this is going to be a more or less i guess a, a weekly a weekly tradition where each each game is a referendum on dembele and his you know where he is as a player and his future with the club and we're going to have to essentially run around this same track you know I mean it's going to be like a it's going to be a hamster wheel until there's some sense of of where he is I mean it's nice that he's I'm just happy that is at least consistently on the, on the pitch. Like he's, you know, he's gotten healthy. And so there, this seems to be, there seems to be a runway ahead of him to put together a string of games and hopefully find, find a rhythm and find his full match fitness and understand, I guess who he is at this point as a player, because I mean, like you said, he's, he's played at best sparingly over the last four years. So you know who is he as a player right now, and also just developing a rapport and a relationship with, the, you know, with his teammates. I mean, it's—I don't even know how much he's necessarily even trained over the, you know, the past couple of years with with a lot of these guys, let alone actually gotten out and tried to execute in meaningful competition. So in that sense, I'm I'm hopeful. I, I don't even know if I'm optimistic, but I'm but I'm at least hopeful that, that Dembele has a a stretch of games ahead of him where he. he At the very least, he seems to be healthy. Like, he doesn't seem to be physically troubled by anything. So I'm hoping that a decent run of play will actually both feed his confidence and help him understand where he kind of fits with his team and fits with his teammates. But I agree. I mean, you know, today wasn't it. Like, today's not what you're looking for.
0: Yeah, I mean, if I'm in LA, just throw it out. You know, the crazy thing is, Emil, too, I mean, Barca, well, it is crazy that Barca have to go to Saudi Arabia on mm-hmm. uh, on Tuesday for that friendly
1: against... Bukit These E-Mail. things will never not kind of blow me away when I when I hear about it So, I,
0: I mean, I think people, people have been listening to the podcast for a while. They know both where Emil and I stand on, on um, friendlies in the mid-season at, uh, <laughs> you know, just uh, getting on a plane, having to travel all those miles. Um, yes. Just, so, I will be watching on Barca TV, plus to, uh, you know, hope to see the Barca B broadcast rights are all mess mm. this year. So I'm going to mm. hope that I will see Mika Marmol and Balde. And hopefully I have some reports to you and argue that the train keeps on coming, you know, as far as other young players, yeah. so hopefully I get <laughs> more, to see them against more youngsters. Boca, Juniors, yeah. Boca Juniors. Or, hey, Luke de young could score five goals against Boca Juniors in Saudi Arabia and he'll turn the season around. But anyway, maybe. <laughs> Either way, Barcelona are going to need some goals. Uh, it's Elche and Sevilla. The game's a matter for the rest of the year, calendar year. Yes, the yeah. cavalry hopefully is returning with Alba and Memphis and Ansu all expected back in early 2020. Ansu now is Mallorca on I think the 3rd or the 4th of January. So mm. that is supposed to be his date but obviously if you've been following Ansu for the last 2 years you know that that date always gets pushed back whenever they set an exact date. So but hopefully it's Mallorca and Barca could start putting goals in the back of the net and results start changing when when Barca actually get healthy and stop being injury FC on the front line. That said, yeah. right now, Atletico Madrid, as we're recording this, is losing 2 nothing to Real Madrid. Yep. And Real Madrid are going to win the Liga, whatever it is what it is. But Barcelona are still, with this loss by Atletico Madrid, five points off of fourth place. So I know Barca can't get results, but no one can. Just, like, yeah, just the good thing is, that yeah, everyone,
1: it's yeah, everyone seems to be standing still with yeah. Barca, which is really helpful and much five, appreciated.
0: Five or six straight wins in the Liga, which is a lot, but, but it's yeah. not because it's FC Barcelona. So if they get healthy in from January to March and do actually what they did two years ago and they run a string of a bunch of games or three years ago now, I can't keep with the pandemic, whatever, but whatever year it was, the Ernesto Valverde year that wasn't unbeaten the other year with Ernesto Valverde where they did not yep. win the league, but they run a string of spa- as five or six. They got oh, yeah, win, I think we- all the points of seven of eight matches, right? And yep. they got enough to, to finish top three. I mean, it was pretty comfortable that year, but for Barcelona, yeah, five points off of fourth place. So it feels all gloom and doom. But again, listen to an Atletico Madrid fan or a Real Sociedad fan because they're watching their. I mean, Real Sociedad have now lost three straight. Rio Valorano is still yeah, they Rayo, got Rayo, Rayo Cano. Roasted by Betis
1: today. Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly. So then Valencia is Valencia. Those are the teams in front of them <laughs> Atletico Madrid, yeah. Real Sociedad, Rio Valencia, and Barcelona. And so I mean, it's top four is for the take. And then Real Betis have four points more than Atletico Madrid, but Real Betis could completely bet the situation too. So I, I just want to remind everybody that other than Real Madrid and then Sevilla with 34 points, you know, 10 more than Barcelona, I'm not, I, I think it is possible that somebody gets dragged under if Barca can mm-hmm. get healthy. So, Even though this match is frustrating and these two points lost are frustrating and could matter at the end of the year, top four is still the option. Top four is still the goal. And then I hope that Barca can go out and actually be the better team against LJ. Just splatter LJ. Um, I'm always a little bit mean to LJ, but they're 16th in the table. They're going to defend. So get in behind them, beat them, and then, you know, it'll be Sevilla next. And then they got to figure that one out. But Emil, I'll give you the last word.
1: I mean, I think you just said it, though. I mean, I think the the game against LJ, I think is going to be massive because... First off, it's at home and it's it's against inferior competition. I mean, I know we say these things a lot and they they wind up you know blowing up in our faces coming back to bite us every time we say it. But this is this is an opponent that you need to be you need a business like win. You know, it doesn't, yeah. I don't care if it's not four nil, five nil, something like that. Just put together a nice, solid, you know, two nil win because then comes Sevilla. Look, we can try to be optimistic about that, and you know, but I'm I'm not wild about the chances of getting three points against Sevilla. I mean, maybe you salvage a point, but you know, in these next two games before the new year, you want to get at least three points out of it. And Elche has the chance to do it, mm-hmm. and then yeah, because then there's you go into that Christmas break also, and you'd like to go in with a modicum of positivity and optimism. You because the. The machine doesn't stop running. You know the the media is going to keep doing what they do, and you know you and I will get together and keep chatting. And the you know the TV pundits are going to keep doing what they do. And when you're not putting new data points out there, everyone's just going to keep kind of you know beating the same the same drum. And you know whatever your last results are is what people are going to what people are going to judge you on. So at the very least, if they can put together a couple of you know ideally a good showing against Elche, and honestly just a a solid motivated tough performance against Sevilla almost irrespective of a result, but sort of, but play, play strong, play tough, and sort of let the chips fall where they may. I think that would at least provide a little bit of, I don't know, optimism and encouragement going into the, that holiday break. And then hopefully, like you said, you get Ansu back ideally the first week of January and you start getting some of the other talents back, you know, Danny Alves joins the joins the squad and all of a sudden, you're actually you have a couple of feel good situations, and you have optimism, and well, you, have you know fight, we're not
0: you desire. You have intensity, and that's that's kind of where we're at. I mean, I look at the tactics as much as mm-hmm. until you know until blood comes out of my ears, but I it's going to come down intensity and fight and holding on. And you know, I never I would never criticize Osuna. They're a good team, and just, see so playing, yeah. I mean. Like that's one of those things where it's like Barca should be getting result against Osasuna on paper. Yeah. But Osasuna is a well-organized team that is right around Barcelona on the table. So these are two mid table teams fighting it out, yeah, that's out it. for three points. And Osasuna had home field advantage where they're good. Osasuna is good at home. Yeah. Barca's man.
1: only up two points on Osasuna on the table. Yep. So, so I just want to see mean, fight.
0: Yeah, I want to see fight intensity yeah. finish the year that way. So the way we're going to finish the year uh, to those listeners, as we wrap up another edition of the show, you know, I, I'm hoping to have another show out coming out this week. I'm supposed to go on vacation. It, it's, you know, it's the eternal struggle of mm-hmm. how much am I allowed to get away from my family? How much trouble do I get in <laughs> when I uh so we are going, we are going a little bit of a holiday a vacation. So I'm excited for that. However, Again, I'm not sure exactly where the match of you might be against Elche, especially if, I mean, I'll tell you this, if Barca failed to, to beat Elche, I, I can be honest with the, those who listen to this podcast this late, there's no YouTube match of you coming if they lose to Elche on Saturday. <laughs> I'm not I'm not doing that to myself on vacation, but if they get a yeah. good win, hey, it might happen. We also are planning on doing another show in I actually am planning on doing another show on vacation. So I have, I'm going to be bringing my equipment like the the lunatic I am. So look out for that <laughs> one later in the week. So we'll see if there's anything to talk about from that one. And then again, just the rest of the holiday stuff. And maybe I'll take a little bit of break, but we'll see that. In the meantime, if you want to keep update on what I am making and all the different content, it's Twitter and Instagram. And then the closed Facebook groups, the Barcelona podcast. And then Patreon is how you get all the stuff that I make and make sure you don't miss it. It's over on Patreon. and also helps us support these shows. And you can also listen to the show without the ads over there. And then on YouTube, of course, with the match reviews at the Barcelona Podcast over there. And we're on our March to 10,000. So subscribe over to the YouTube channel. And until next time, thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Talk to you soon. for Barca. the
1: Barca.